alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Welcome to the 6th Annual Subliminal Deception Podcast episode, your weekly conspiracy theory bullshit podcast. My name is Cody. I am joined by Phil. How are you? Doing good, Cody. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing all right. It's been, uh, it's been you know what is kind of weird? That they have been threatening snow like the past two days, and it's been like 50 plus degrees and it's been like warm enough I've been running outside and shit so I don't know if they're just still trying to scare everybody or what's going on but it's kind of weird could uh could possibly be those uh weather changing devices <laughs> trying to get the road salt industry a little bit of a boost <laughs> I loved when Obama was in presidency and like all the crazies would say that he's controlling the weather and he has some magical weather machine and all this uh, that, that was pretty funny do you remember all that yeah, I remember a lot of different conspiracies that involved him. It's funny because a lot of those crazy conspiracies aren't following Trump, which oh, I they're don't know. they're still attacking Obama. I've seen plenty of them still attacking him, and he does not probably give two shits about uh, what's going on in the White House right now. Oh yeah, if I was him, I'd be on a beach somewhere <laughs> with a fucking mai tai. Wasn't he a Coors Light guy? Yeah, I, I know he was a Marlboro Light guy, <laughs> and uh, it was Coors Light, I think. Yeah, I think he just, I think he liked Coors. Anyway, so uh, the previous week, Phil, you joined uh, our my other podcast on Between the Bumbles, and uh, how was that? Did you enjoy that? Oh, yeah. It was a great time. Yeah, I, I got to thank Jordan for letting me uh, come on there with him. <laughs> Nobody thanks that piece of shit, but uh, <laughs> no, we... You've gotten a lot of good feedback, and everyone said you did really good, so I think you're a, a natural podcaster, perhaps. Well, thanks for the compliment. I'm just <laughs> happy to help you guys keep that ball rolling forward, so. <laughs> you know what? It's fun to talk about the weirdest, most obscure, horseshit conspiracies, too, so um, how excited, we're not going to spoil any Game of Thrones thing here, but how excited are you for the episode tonight? Yeah, uh, we are taping on Sunday. It's uh, episode number three of the season. Hmm. The uh, the battle against the um, ice zombies. So I'm pretty <laughs> pumped. Uh, I'm gonna order a pizza, make popcorn. Gonna make a little party for myself. A yeah. party of one, dude. It's gonna be insane. So this previous Friday, um, I was hanging out with uh, my friend Nick. And we went to the bar, had a few drinks and tacos or whatever. We came back and we we're just hanging out here. Well, I was hitting my uh, my vape pen or my hash oil pen, right? And mm -hmm. we he wanted to rewatch last week's episode, so I was like, whatever. And I was watching it. Do you know the guy? Who's the guy who got grayscale? What's his name? Oh, uh, he is the from Bear Island. Um, I couldn't think of his name. Yeah. I can't think of his name. Anyway, he's, so, uh, he's Daenerys's um, advisor. So me and Nick were feeling pretty good, right? And he came on there. 
I we I kept laughing for like a half an hour straight about how that poor son of a bitch got grayscale and he's still stuck in the friend zone with Danny. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, he got friend zone so fucking hard he's just stuck in there. <laughs> like imagine even after like some chick like basically thinks that you're left like leaves you for dead, never thinks she's gonna see you again, and then she sees you again and it's like, oh, I'm pretty happy to see you, but I got John over here, so yeah. I got the ultimate sex beast, John Snow over here, who is my nephew, I think, right? Yeah, it's her nephew. <laughs> well, we were talking about, like, me and Nick were really talking about, like, why, the second time watching that episode, I'm like, God, they are really trying to make her, like, a bad guy, almost, like Danny. Like, I feel like they're trying to make her a bad guy, kind of. Yeah, it really feels like they're setting her up for a heel turn, and mm. um, they're trying to get us sympathetic towards Sansa, I think, is what they're doing. Mm. They might be, because I think Sansa, in the end, will become a more important character. It's almost like they're using Daenerys as like a device. It could be. Otherwise, they're going to, it's like fake tension that's then going to be broken or whatever. I was just thinking about this, like, people are probably wondering why... A conspiracy theory podcast is talking about Game of Thrones. Well, obviously, it's probably the best show ever made. But there's so many conspiracies about the show within the show. You know what I mean? So it's kind of fun to, like, try to guess what's going on. Try to speculate on, like, even though it's fiction, it's you kind of, like, it does exist. Like, someone is creating this. Mm -hmm. So you do get to get a feeling like you're trying to be inside of his head. <laughs> but... Well, hopefully tonight, uh, hopefully it's a badass episode and like blows everybody away. I have a feeling it will be. Yeah, I know they're going to clean up a pretty big, it's going to be when uh, you clear out some of the old fictional characters, like the characters that you don't really need anymore, whose kind of their timeline thread is already up. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of that. Oh, that could be. I could very well see it. Anyway, yeah, my Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, my buddy has a theory that Sam is actually going to be the one at the end, like writing the history. Because I was telling him he was, I thought Sam was, Samwell was going to die, but he thinks that he's going to live. So I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> I guess we'll find out tonight. And speaking of wars with uh, humans versus White Walkers, I hear your conspiracy theories along those same lines. <laughs> well, not quite White Walkers, but yeah, uh, I do have a conspiracy involving uh, United States Navy uh, and a foreign empire. So if you well, don't, who, uh, don't mind, we'll get started. Who? Okay, hold on now. So are you saying the foreign empire could not be relatable to the White Walkers? Uh, not unless it's Canada. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I guess they would be the frozen north. The frozen north, yeah. <laughs> of course, those White Walkers be pretty polite. I don't know. <laughs> they would knock before coming in. i sorry I killed you, buddy. I didn't mean to. That's an accident. You got to say it correct. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I love Canadians. Anyway, fire away, Phil. All right. So on February 15th, 1898, the explosion of the USS Maine in Havana Harbor, Cuba, rocked the city of Havana and the fragile relationship between the United States and Spain. Spain was in the middle of a fierce rebellion with the colony of Cuba at the time. Now, if you can fill myself and the audience in, what was Spain exactly after when they were battling Cuba? Now, Cuba had been under the control of Spain 
um, for the past uh, few hundred years. It was one of the last uh, Spanish colonies in the North and South America and the Caribbean. They used to, of course, own much of South America and Central America, but they had lost all of that. And Spanish empire in the Western Hemisphere was really like coming to an end. Mm. So they were just battling basically just to keep their last hold on Spain or on Spain was just trying to hold on to Cuba at the time. Well, we, I think everybody knows throughout history, eventually countries get tired of being overshadowed by their big brother countries or whatever. So basically, uh, really what the main represented was kind of like a linchpin in the end of relationships between the United States and Spain. Um, the United States had sent the USS Maine to Havana Harbor uh, just to keep an eye on things and protect interests that the American people had in Spain and to protect any Americans who were in Havana. Mm. Um, so, that, well, I mean, obviously our generation doesn't remember, well, doesn't really remember when you couldn't travel to Cuba. Obviously you can now, but. Well, I mean, you weren't really allowed to travel to Cuba up then? until a few years ago, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, <clears throat> when did they, do you know when they put the ban on going to Cuba? Oh, it was during the Cold War, definitely, oh, okay. after the Castro regime took over. So now, I want to see if I heard correctly, the USS Maine was parked in a harbor um, next to Havana? Yeah, in the in Havana's harbor. So it was right outside of Havana, hmm. right on the water. That's like the, I don't know the geometry of Cuba that well, but I assume that's where most people live, is Havana. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's their biggest city today, and it was their biggest city at the time. It was the capital still of the colonial government in Spain. I think they're still driving the same cars from back then too, right? Yeah, pretty close. <laughs> I mean, basically, uh, the sh I mean, you got to realize too, they are the best mechanics on earth. Because they will, they will put any machine, like washing machine, dishwashing machine <laughs> part into these vehicles to keep them running. So, And they're the best baseball players, one of them. Let's not forget that. Oh, yeah. they. Well, I mean, any... Really, all you need is a bat and a ball. So, <laughs> you just actually, I kind think of that I cheap think sport. I feel like a lot of Cubans are pitchers, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, well, the pitcher usually is like the if you think about like Little League, the pitchers are always the best uh, player on the team. So, I think that's why a lot of them get picked up. That could be they're the ones who get noticed. So, back to the uh, the main. So, the spec really the main blowing up. Uh, the speculation that uh, Spain was actually involved in the explosion um, kind of rocked the U.S. sense of what was going on. And really, newspapers, the American public, politicians really jumped on this and wanted to come after whoever was the guilty party. And it was believed to be Spain at the time. So what would have the U.S. had against Spain at this moment? Well, there were um, atrocities reported throughout the latter half of the 19th century involving the Cuban people. Spain and Cuba had been through three wars. This was actually the third war of independence wow. that uh, Cuba was fighting against Spain. And there was a lot of uh, atrocities that happened. So okay. that was the big. that was one of the big um, things that pushed towards war okay. between the United States and Spain. Okay. I got gotcha. you. So do you want to go over maybe the reported explosion and stuff? 
The destruction of the Maine resulted in the death of 266 sailors. The Maine actually was seen to be lifted out of the water, and then the front end of the ship exploded. Uh, like the explosion completely disintegrated the front end of the ship. And this was a large steel ship. Is it like what we know today is like a, I don't, is it a battle cruiser or is it like a? Yeah, it was a battle cruiser. Um, it was kind of one of the first American Ironside ships. Okay. Uh, these ships were actually coming out of the European um, shipyards well before um, the main did. Uh, the main and its sister ship, the battleship Texas, um, really showed like a jump in the U.S. commitment to the Navy after not having to fight any war since the Civil War. Yeah, I guess technically they hadn't really had a use for a large Navy then, you know what I mean? No, they hadn't. I mean, except for blockading uh, the South during the Civil War and kind of just having a Navy just because they needed one, hmm. they they really kind of let the Navy, um, money for the Navy, the technology, they really let it die down until the 1880s. Hmm, okay. Now, you said the ship, the way you describe it, it blew up underneath of it, and then it kind of went in the air like uh, the Titanic, I guess, if that's the best representation I can think of. Then the front of it, the front nose of it blew up again, right? Yeah, basically the front end, it almost as if there was a, you think of like a boat on like a really, like when an ocean with like high waves, how Mm. it jumps up out of the water. Yeah. It almost did that, but Havana Harbor was completely still at the time. So imagine seeing a ship sitting like sitting still <laughs> in the harbor, jumping out of the water and then blowing up. Yeah, I don't think ships are meant to do that. No, yeah, <laughs> not usually. <laughs> so basically, um, there were a lot of players in this uh, conspiracy, supposedly. Uh, and there's also a lot of different conspiracies. So I'm going to just jump in to who might be at fault in uh the blowing up of the main and the subsequent war between the United States and Spain. Okay. So uh, these different um, kind of players in this were the rebel Cubans themselves, and they had been engaged in this current war um, with Spain. It was really an uprising, but it had been going on since 1895. There was also the Spanish Empire, which was reaching uh, really the, the last of its hold on the Western Hemisphere and any sort of empire that they used to enjoy. They were one at one time the richest empire on earth and had the best navy, but that navy was old and it was ancient compared to the rest of the navies in Europe. Hmm. You, you said they had like wooden ships and shit, right? Yeah, they were still touting the old wooden ships <laughs> that you would think of um, during the Revolutionary War. Hmm. Yeah, you got to evolve a little bit. Oh, yeah, especially considering the when you hear about the uh, Spanish-American War, the battle that happened in Manila Harbor, it was just – it was horrible. I actually was watching a video on it this morning, uh, kind of prepping for this. Basically, the admiral in the Spanish Navy, he had all of the ships um, go near the shore just so that when the ships got blown up, they would have a chance to swim to the beach. <laughs> he knew it. It was it, – the American ships literally just took aim and f- just knocked him out. It was like a turkey shoot. <laughs> why? Okay, if that ship captain knew that, why didn't he just park the ships and be like, hey, guys, just get off of the ships. Just leave them here or you're going to fucking die anyway. <laughs> I mean, 
That would have been the better idea. <laughs> he honestly, he would have been better off if he would have just loaded the ships up with explosives and then sent them on their way, <laughs> hoping that they hit something. Like that's true. If you, if you look at the battle, it was bad for Spain. Um, it was really just for posterity that he fought it all. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose. Okay, so we you've listed the Spanish, the Cubans, and who else are your possible also, culprits? Lastly, um. The United States and the United States kind of comes up twice, but because the, there's, if you look at it, there's kind of two different interests for the United States. Um, the United States have been eyeing the island of Cuba uh, for about a century, and they really thought that it was part of manifest destiny that Cuba eventually come under the power of the United States, <laughs> considering its proximity to Florida. I feel like they still want it, like even to this day. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like they would love to have Cuba. Yeah, even though we're in more of a global kind of like empire, like it's really, you can get attacked from all sides now. But back then, Cuba was kind of seen as a shield for America's soft underbelly. Mm. If you kind of look at how the island is situated. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Okay. So why don't you start off with. Oh. I'll start off with the United States. Oh, you want to start off with the UF? Okay. Go ahead. Yep. So the United States, um, like I just said, they had a lot of history eyeing the island of Cuba. When Spain allowed outside trade in 1818, um, basically the private agreements that Spain had had with other countries were superseded by these new agreements that Cuba was allowed to make on its own. Uh, in 1820, President Thomas Jefferson said of Cuba that it was, in quote, the most interesting addition which could ever be made to our system of states. <laughs> and he also suggested to John C. Calhoun, the uh, Secretary of War at the time, that the United States, quote, ought at the first possible opportunity to take Cuba. Hmm. So that was him to the Secretary of War, which is, of course, now it's Secretary of Defense. I mean, those two statements sound awfully conspicuous, if you ask me. Now, I was thinking... Uh, maybe you're going to bring this up, but so the obviously the USS Maine was, I had to imagine, how how old was it at this point when it got blown up? Well, it was only a few years old. Okay. So um, the problem was by the time it was made, it was so obsolete. They had some problems um, with some steel uh, and iron uprisings. There was some labor disputes that led to it taking longer than it should have. And the problem, too, is uh, they kind of gotten beaten down by bureaucracy. It was when they decided to make the Maine and the Texas, one of those ships had to be made, made by American um, industry and mm. American design. So instead of having both made by superior European design, one of them was made by American design, and that was the Maine. So it was already obsolete by oh, the time I gotcha. it came around. So basically, okay, you they make this ship – Probably, I assume, one of their first ships they ever made of that style. So they, if they did, in fact, self-sabotage the ship to, in fact, start the war with, uh, Spain, with Spain, then they probably wouldn't be missing the USS Maine that much if they blew it up. No, they wouldn't. Uh, they already had better ships um, coming out of the spigot by the time that the Maine got blown up. And they had the Texas, which was a much superior battleship. <laughs> uh, already so m losing the main obviously 266 soldiers or yeah. sailors sorry is terrible but i mean if you look at this in the conspiracy false flag kind of way i mean it's not that big of a deal to lose that small of a piece <laughs> from the 
the chessboard. I mean, to a rational person, letting 200 and some people die is pretty fucked up. But yeah, when you're looking at the like the geopolitical like <laughs> chessboard, it's not that bad. That's it's peanuts to these. You people. better you better state publicly here that you don't condone what the U.S. did or possibly did. No, I don't condone any of that <laughs> stuff. But I'm saying when you when you really look at like how the the figures are portrayed in these conspiracies, there it's it wouldn't be a big deal to them. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Like when you look at like how. The conspiracies for like the Illuminati, the Rothschilds, they don't even consider like little people like us human beings anyway. Oh, so. very, uh, that's a good point. When you were talking about this, I was just envisioning because you had that sweet ass um, Pontiac 6000 in high school. Oh, yeah. Let's pretend the Pontiac 6000 is the USS Maine. You load it up with a bunch of high school friends and you blow it up just so you can get a brand new car out of the insurance settlement. Kind of similar to the USS Maine there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it is similar in the fact that, you know, that car was about 120 years old and uh, it was made completely out of iron. So that's true. That was a solid yeah. fucking car. That thing was a beast, honestly. <laughs> is that thing but, in yeah. the dump right now? Oh, yeah. Most definitely. That thing is a cube. <laughs> like just it's at qualms just absolutely nah. sitting in a pile right now <laughs> i forgot about that place god that place was uh a dirty dirty place yeah i remember when i used to race you in the cavalier mm -hmm. my my speedometer only went up to 85 i asked you how fast we were going you were like about 100 i was like holy shit <laughs> i know we were fucking idiots back then my god holy yeah. shit <laughs> 16-year-olds are allowed to be idiots, though. It's okay. <laughs> That's true. All right. So, so I was oh, I was going to tell you the term. I, I use the term false flag. So mm. I'll, I'll throw that in there right now. So anyone who doesn't know, the term false flag originally referred to pirate ships that flew flags of countries as a disguise to prevent their victims from fleeing or preparing for battle. Uh -huh. A false flag, as it's currently put, is thought to be a covert action to harm oneself and to blame the opponent to kind of round up popular support for yourself. Mm. I was going to say, I I have a strange feeling that due to um, the current political climate in the United States, almost everybody knows what the word false flag is. I mean, not the ancient meaning, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah, if you're listening to a conspiracy theory podcast, <laughs> you probably know what false flag is. There's some popular ones. Uh, um, the Reichstag fire mm. in Germany. There's 9-11, um, the, the Gulf of Tonkin Bay. There's just a ton of them out there. I was the gonna, Lusitania, I was Pearl gonna, Harbor. I was going to say um, a lot of like the extremist conspiracy theories even have those with like school shootings and stuff like that. But uh, that's a little, little too dark for my taste. Those would be on like a smaller scale. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean – People think – I don't attribute those as false flags, but people no, do think I'm, that they are. I'm saying that's like – obviously the conspiracy theory marketplace, I, I'll say on the internet, has a lot of kooky ones like that. So, And I hear that oh, word yeah. being tossed around a lot. <laughs> yeah, especially with the advent of the internet, it mm -hmm. seems like anything can be considered a you know false flag conspiracy nowadays. Yeah, like, like Coke changing their flavor. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, so which one do you want to do next? Oh, so I was just going to go end it with uh, basically saying that the false flag conspiracy tends that a agent of the United States um, possibly placed, this goes into the explosion, possibly placed a bomb near the ship's fuel, which was right next to where uh, five short tons of explosive charges for the ship's guns were held. And this would have been the perfect place to put it because at the time, most of the sailors were sleeping. So you would have gotten maximum death to occur from this explosion. I mean, from how the descriptions of how it blew up, to me, it really seems like somebody knew where exactly to put the shit (laughs) to like take it down. You know what I mean? Yeah, this I mean, the design of the ship wasn't that great, like I said before, but this was like the best place for the ship to explode. Because you lost all the sailors, you lost almost none of the officers who slept towards the back of the ship, and the ship basically sank instantly. There was, and there was nothing left of the area to investigate really until later on. Did I did I ask you? Okay, so obviously we knew it blew up from essentially underneath of it, but the front explosion was that just a byproduct explosion from the fire caused from the other one? You think because there's gunpowder there? Yeah, I was going to say this a little later on, but oh. um, the sh- they think that the ship actually jumping out of the water was the, the first explosion, but then the main explosion was the secondary explosion, which obliterated the entire front end. But do you, what did I'm saying, do you think that the second explosion was one that was placed by somebody possibly, or was that just a byproduct of the first explosion? No, I think that for this conspiracy, I think that the second explosion happened as a result of the first one. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. The first one was planted, second okay. one out. Because I was envisioning, okay, if it's blown up and the ship's kind of going up, then the fire would probably travel up and ignite all that and all that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's uh, the reason why that the U.S. investigation um, thought that it was a mine was because of the upward, like, upward movement. Uh, they thought that the mine exploded outside of the ship. Okay. Do you want to go into um, how they believe the landmine would have gotten there to hit it? Well, yeah, the the sea mine. So this actually goes into Spain's. Okay. Um, so uh, Spain actually put out their own investigation after the U.S. Navy's investigation to kind of discredit any view that it might have been the Spanish Empire that had the explosion. So their investigation found that four different points were important. So the first one was, had a mine been the cause of the explosion, a column of water would have been observed Hmm. coming up from the bottom of the ship. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, because that's where all the force would be coming from. It's just like you see in the movies. When you see a mine blowing up in front of a ship, you see this huge like spout of water (laughs) shooting up. It's kind of like the same thing. I know just about it because I was watching First Blood. Uh, you know the original Rambo movie? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> a lot of upward explosions in that movie. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So uh, they also said that the wind and the waters were calm on that date. And the mine, a mine placed underneath the ship, like, would not, it wouldn't have been able to float into a mine. Um, basically, the mine would have been, like, you would have had to use cables to set it off electronically. Okay. Someone would have had to have planted underneath the ship, then ran the detonator to somewhere else on the island and then set it off, you mean? Yeah, and no cables had been found um, running from underneath the ship or anywhere like that. So no one witnessed anything like that. Yeah, I was going to say that would definitely leave a lot of evidence. 
Yeah, especially you see a team of explosive experts. Someone <laughs> on the ship would have seen it too. I mean, that's a good point. Another thing was no dead fish were found in the harbor. And also, munition stores don't usually explode when a ship is sunk by a mine because it happens on the outside. That is a good point because because their main function is to puncture a hole in the ship that then fills it with water to sink it, right? Yeah. Okay. So basically, for this, um, the conspiracy – actually, the weird thing is it's not really a conspiracy theory that's kind of out there because the U.S. actually used this to go to war against Spain – but the conspiracy that Spain um, mined or bombed the USS Maine is actually kind of ridiculous because, if anything, they would want the Maine to leave peacefully and kind of leave them alone. Why would you want to provoke the might of an up-and-coming power <laughs> when you could just let them leave? Yeah, that that's the part that, I mean, that's, uh, that's what makes the most, most sense. But then again, we do know sometimes you get like a captain or general or something who's a little gung-ho who doesn't want who wants to be the big dick to take out somebody else you know what i mean yeah that is true and i mean i imagine i didn't really think about this before but like some general who wants to return spain to its like prior glory yeah. might think that a like a like a big war would actually help their cause or maybe his wife got chlamydia from a u.s sailor you never know that is true <laughs> This is a revenge bombing. <laughs> there is there's quite a legacy of that in the Navy, though. <laughs> no. Oh, did you see all that report that um I just read it today. Okay, so Coachella just went on, right? And like eleven thousand yeah. people got contracted herpes there. Really? Eleven thousand people. Ugh, disgusting. Out of how many people went? Like eleven thousand and ten? I don't know. It's disgusting. Ugh. I was just yeah. like, 11,000, holy shit. Yeah, I had not heard that, but it sounds about right, I think. <laughs> Must have been a few sailors there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, well, anyway, so uh, the conclusions that the Spanish investigation made, came to were not reported on by the American press. So as I said before, the American press really jumped on this. No more, like... Magazine or newspaper editors than William Randolph Hearst and Joseph Pulitzer, both very famous names today. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody. Hearst has a, Hearst has his own column of conspiracy theories against him. Does he really? Yeah. Well, he's one of the people who wanted to get rid of um, hemp, oh. and uh, he was a pretty big player trying to get uh, like a lot of different like policies through. He used his newspapers for that. I thought um, when they made marijuana legal the first time it was because of a california senator or governor who is pushing that it was like super evil and shit and then that's how he got elected and made it illegal at the same time i thought that's what i heard but i guess yeah, ma maybe that could be it and this guy's pushing the agenda too through the newspaper yeah supposedly it's when the whole reefer madness thing kind of came around <laughs> um they pushed a whole bunch of like false narratives and Really, like the whole yellow journalism thing was like taken over at the time. You so. know, you know what? I can honestly say this: um, all the because it seems like I've been researching uh, podcast stuff for right around this area um, for this and Bumblebutt, and like if people don't think that sensational news existed back then, I think it might like it might have been almost worse because there was literally no. They couldn't call them out on their bullshit when they made up stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, there was just 
I mean, there was not a lot of fact checking. There no. was so many newspapers and just not enough like <laughs> people to fact check them. It was <laughs> anyone anyone who wanted to start their own newspaper could. It was almost like us starting this podcast. Right. Just a little bit more expensive. See, it was not hard at the time. See, we might not always get the facts right, but probably people are going to criticize us about it. And before, they could just basically do whatever they wanted. Yeah. I mean, and if they did, it's not like, I mean, everyone was lying. So it was kind of one of those deals where just everyone kind of was on board. Now, do you think these newspapers, they just didn't want to see the Spanish investigations? Or do you think they weren't allowed to? I think that they probably, Spain was trying to get these out there at the time. So I imagine that they did see them. Spain was trying to get any eyes that they could on this. And um, Hearst had sent a team of reporters and artists to Havana to, Havana to report on this. So I think guaranteed they did see this report. But I just don't think that they put it in their newspapers. So either they didn't like the Spanish or maybe the government was telling them to publish stuff like this? I'm not exactly sure. I mean, who, like what they did this for. In my mind, Hearst and Pulitzer were really just kind of competing for um, eyes on their newspaper, for subscriptions and for for buy rates. Yeah. So. I always forget that's technically the ultimate goal of a newspaper. Yeah, it's about the money. They don't <laughs> yeah. care about Cuba. They don't care about Spain. It was probably mostly the money. That's a good so, point. So, yeah. well, um, oh, go ahead. So, well, so, oh, also, what I was going to say was uh, for the belief that Spain may have um, done this, uh, Pulitzer in his newspapers was telling everyone he thought that, or the editor or the journalist thought or was pinning the explosion on Spain. But privately, Pulitzer did not believe that Spain had anything to do with the sinking and even was quoted as saying, no one outside of a lunatic asylum actually did. (laughs) Well, I I mean, I can kind of see like what you mean with him, where if he's just saying, hey, look, they weren't involved and all that, people don't want to read that. They want to read like, oh my God, it's the Spanish. Let's get these sons of bitches. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like today when they click on the big headlines. It's the same thing. That's a good point. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. It's just like, I mean, I think what I was like, why why would these newspapers want to be so invested in starting a war? Maybe they didn't know it would lead to war, but like, but I think you're right. They just wanted to sell newspapers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not much different than like the lead up. Do you remember the lead up to the Iraq? Do you remember all of the 24-hour news networks? It yeah. was constant bombardment. They would just take any piece of red meat they could and make a steak dinner out of it. Like, <laughs> it was bad. The same shit, you know? That's a very good point. So, it's all about ad rev. <laughs> so, um, and you said you wanted to go over Cuba as well, right? Yeah. So I was uh, just getting to Cuba. So Cuba had been revolting against Spain for three years at the time. And I also mentioned previously um, that they had been in two other wars. One was the Ten Years' War from 1868 to 1878, and uh, a second war, which was known as the Little War, 1879 to 1880. So that one was a little bit shorter and resolved quicker. Um, now, but now, the Cubans had been involved uh, basically in Spanish atrocities, and they were really trying to get rid of the Spain- Spanish uh, Empire at the time. So I take it the first two wars they lost then? Yeah, they um well I'm I'm not sure exactly like I didn't go too much into these wars, 
But I mean, the 10 year, any war that is called the 10 years war is going to sound pretty bloody. The little, <laughs> the little war must have just been resolved quickly, though. Well, I just assume that they must have won because they're still there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Possibly Cuba could have gained more autonomy after these wars, but they obviously did lose in the end because Spain still owned them. So, man, for such a little island, they've uh, they've had to endure a lot, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Spanish. Uh, well, Spanish or any colonial rule at the time was pretty bad. Hmm. So uh, they were seen as like second class humans if they were even seen as humans at all. Hmm. So, okay, what what reason could Cuba possibly have to want to blow up this ship? Well, uh, so the United States' involvement in Cuba would definitely um, speed up Spain's exit from Cuba. If Cuba had the United States on their side, they knew that it would only be a matter of time before uh-huh. Spain either lost completely or just ended up having to leave out of negotiations, like treaties. And it did turn out to be really quick. It was only a three-month war. See, I didn't think about that. That makes a lot of sense. If they blow up the ship, that'll force the Americans to think the Spanish did it, and then they'll start a war with them. That will then help Cuba by proxy. Yeah, I mean, and they didn't realize that the United States would own them for three years and not leave them alone until the (laughs) communists take over in the 1950s. Um, They were probably hoping to be left to their own devices, but obviously that doesn't happen. No, Um, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah, it's basically an attrition to get the United States to leave you alone. Mm. Like, So obviously, like I said before, the destruction of the Maine was really advantageous for the Cubans, and it directly led to uh, the independence of Cuba. And... Spain not only had to leave Cuba, they also left Puerto Rico and any other Western Hemisphere holdings. Um, Then they have to leave Guam and the Philippines. So this really destroyed not only Spanish colonies in like the Western Hemisphere, but all Spanish colonies pretty much. So, I mean, if if we're putting this whole thing in a nutshell real quick, if we're thinking about just to start this war, whoever did it, you have all the soldiers that died – and then I can only imagine how many people died during the war. So it's like, that's a lot of bloodshed just to basically over the ship exploding, right? Yeah. I mean, for all three sides, really, like it obviously happened. The worst was for Spain. Yeah. Spain got it the worst because they lost their empire. They lost all prestige. I mean, you've got you to gotta realize how bad of a fucking ass kicking this was for Spain. <laughs> they... Like, they got their pants pulled down and fucking spanked across their ass from this one. It was bad. Well, I mean... I would it, say... What's that? Oh, I was going to say, I'm... I'm. Uh, the Spanish don't sound like very nice people around this time. No, they weren't, but you really couldn't be when every single one of your colonies was revolting against you. The Philippines were actively revolting against <clears throat> Spain, too. And that was bloody and bad. So, okay, now that we kind of gotten all the probable suspects... And you're, what do you, who do you think probably caused the ship's explosion that then lo- led to the war? Well, this kind of leads me to my last conclusion. Okay. Um, there was some investigations done in the 70s that actually showed some of those vulnerabilities that I mentioned before about how the ship was already obsolete mm-hmm. and poorly designed. Like I said, the fuel for the ship was kept right next to 
all of the explosive charges for the guns, which is not a very good place to push them <laughs> Generally side <not>. by side. <laughs> they actually think that there could have been a coal fire, which sparked like coal dust in the air to explode, which might have been the first explosion. And then that would have set off the explosive charges, which blew the front of the ship to bits. So really, I mean, in my mind, that is the best explanation for this. It was just a natural, poorly designed fuck up. I gotta say, if that's true, that is like a hell of a coincidence that led to something very, pretty bad. Oh yeah, I mean, an obsolete ship going into a harbor of a war zone revolution, (laughs) and then happening to blow up. Like with a bunch of witnesses around to see it, and yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a coincidence, but fuck ups do happen, you know. It's. I feel like the ship sounds like it was put together by the fucking goof troop or something. Yeah, it wasn't the best. I mean, <laughs> if the main had been designed as properly as the Texas had, I mean, who knows? It could have been like they could have made it earlier. It could have actually been somewhere else instead of going to Cuba. And if it did go to Cuba, it might not have blown up ever. And it wouldn't have started the Spanish-American War, which was actually one of the most important wars that America's ever fought. It just, it seems so weird, like, parking it in a main port when there's a war going on. Kind of, kind of strange, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't like it was blockading any ships from coming in or leaving. They just kind of posted up in Havana Harbor. Three weeks. It just just like yeah, don't mind us. You know, it's like parking in a handicap spot to run in and go get chewing gum quick. It's just like it just feels unnecessary. You know what I mean? Do you want something bad to happen? Because <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna you're just stuck. It's like when you leave something breakable around kids and be like, don't touch this because it's gonna break if you play with it. And of course, you know they smash it immediately. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't know. I like, I actually like, you know, what we've learned through history sometimes it's just a long string of bad coincidences that lead to something really fucking bad, like a war. But, um, I don't know. I kind of like the, the defect theory, or I'm not always big on like the government's out to get everybody, but I don't know. I could kind of see them if they really wanted something blowing up their own ship just to start a war, you know what I mean? When they probably knew they could wipe them out pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really, we didn't really have much of a standing army at the time. So I didn't think anyone really thought that we could take them out in three months, but definitely they knew they could win, but they didn't, I don't think they thought they could actually win that quickly and win that like much. Well, what's the main thing they gained after the war? An empire. The US? The whole thing. They gained, so they gained um, Puerto Rico, Guam, the Philippines, and shortly the island of Cuba. So we still own Guam and the uh, island of Puerto Rico, obviously. We still have Guantanamo Bay, which is in Cuba. But this kind of jump-started America on the world scene. This, Like I said before, this is the most important war the United States has ever fought. This turned us from a regional power into a world power. That seems like a pretty good uh, uh, reward after the war. I mean, you know what I mean? So it kind of gives yeah. credence back to it could have been self-sabotage but i think in the end you're probably right it was just a poorly made ship and you have to learn you don't put two explosives next to each other and (laughs) you know what i mean yeah i like uh so i like the the whole it was just a factory defect yeah kind of design defect idea but i also kind of like cuba 
because Cuba, they didn't come out the worst. They didn't come out the best. But I mean, they did eventually get their freedom after three years. And the rich people in Cuba had a pretty good run up until the communists took over. That's a good point, too, actually. I guess we'll yeah. probably never really know what happened, but obviously no, we know what happened after the ship blew up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they have had... They've had a lot of investigations. Um, one thing I was also going to mention is they actually were able to put like a barrier around the ship and float it up to the surface mm. so that they could get a better look at it. Um, that happened in 1911, I believe. Yeah, 1911. Uh, there was another investigation into the sinking. I would think they'd want to recover the people's bodies, right? Yeah, they did. They recovered the bodies and... Um, buried them in uh, American cemeteries. They also gave the ship a more dignified sinking out to sea rather than just sitting in a harbor. Do they still do that? For um, for ships? Like if they're going to decommission it, just like sink it in the middle of the ocean? <laughs> Actually, they do. Um, they will sometimes blow up a ship or sink it purposefully to create like a coral reef. Mm, for coral yeah, okay. to build up around. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I've definitely seen like news articles about that, though. I did. I guess I never really thought of that. Well, we def we definitely know uh, the Earth is in need of more coral reef. Um, yeah, it's in need of humans to stop fucking it up. <laughs> That's what it's in need of. Less of us. More tuna. Less us. Yeah, that's true. So well, uh, it was a great episode, Phil. I think. The people who are more maybe either military fans or um, history fans will definitely have appreciated this episode. I definitely learned a lot. I obviously knew about the Spanish-American War, but I didn't really know. It's so I would find it so interesting to find kind of like the launching points for war sometimes, you know what I mean? It can be something yeah. that's so inconsequential that leads to like almost like a butterfly effect, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of like if you think about it, like the lighting of a match. Yeah. But if you lit that, you use that match to light a fuse that set off like a whole string of fireworks, <laughs> kind of like that. Just a tiny little thing, kind of like World War One. Oh yeah, same thing. Oh yeah, just one little, you know, Franz Ferdinand gets capped, and then the whole fucking world explodes. But <laughs> I kind of wanted to get away from aliens. I was thinking about doing uh, RAF Bentwaters, but we've done quite a bit about like reptilians and aliens and. That sort, of, that sort of stuff. I'll so tell you maybe what. Maybe next week. I'll tell you what. I don't think you have to worry because I think people love aliens. Yeah. I just don't want it to be an every week thing. That's <laughs> kind of – I was looking down the line of my future conspiracy and I was like, oh, shit. I've got like alien, alien, and then like something else, then alien again. So, <laughs> Hey, I don't think our fans care because we've been knocking it out of the park. So anyway, um, if you would like to reach the show, how can we do that, Phil? All right, so first there's um, our uh, email. We would love to hear an email from you guys, maybe talk about the uh, USS Maine or anything you might think of caused it. Uh, the email is subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. And we are also on Instagram at subliminaldeceptionpodcast. Right, and if you, like I said on the previous episode... If you want to talk to Phil directly, hit him up on Subliminal Deception Podcast on Instagram. If you'd like to talk to me directly, you just follow Bumabut Podcast um, on Instagram. We'll talk with each other if anybody sends us any messages or whatnot. Um, we've been getting a lot of good feedback about the show, so that's great. Um, the final thing that we ask is if you guys could take 
few minutes out of your day and just leave us a five-star review on iTunes, preferably written. We've had, I think we have five now, which is amazing. So let's just keep them coming, and it keeps the show growing and helps us kind of get reach a larger audience and all of that jazz. The whole point of having a podcast, essentially, so... But uh, that's going to do it for me this week. Phil, is that going to do it for you? Yep, that's going to do it for me. All right, well, everybody, enjoy the third episode of Game of Thrones, and we will see you next week. Oh, it's going to be a banger. Thanks, guys. (laughs) 